Good morning and welcome to the Hub City Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us in worship this morning. If you're new to Hub City, we exist to make disciples who believe the gospel, abide in Christ, and obey the word of God. If you'd like to hear more about our vision, or if you're interested in joining one of our serve teams, you can visit our website, thehubcitychurch.org, or just text the word Hub City to 97,000, and we'll follow up with you in the next few days. We can't wait for our annual Fall Fest coming up on October 8th at 4 p.m. We hope you'll join us for some fun, fellowship, and fall stuff. Bring your best chili for the chili cook-off to earn high fives and bragging rights. We'll also take this opportunity to send off the McIntyre family and express our love and appreciation for them. God has been so faithful in continuing to grow our church body. To help accommodate those looking for seating, it would be super helpful to keep end seats open so our ushers are able to easily find seats for those coming into the service. Kids are always welcome in service, and we have a nursing mother's room with our service streaming live just outside the lobby to the left. Again, we're so glad you're here. Let's worship Jesus together. Well, hey, good morning once again. My name is Tad Anderson. I'm the lead teaching pastor or elder here at the Hub City Church. And, and again, on behalf of our church family, we're so glad you're here to worship Jesus with us today. If, if I've not met you, I would love to do that. Uh, and so I'll probably sneak out this door in the back to try to catch you before you can run down the breezeway after the sermon. So um, run fast if you don't want to meet me. So, um, okay, real, real announcements. Uh, as we've already mentioned, uh, our, our fall fest uh, is an annual thing we do. It's coming up next Sunday, uh, the, the 8th in lieu of community groups meeting. There will be fun, there will be fellowship, and there will be fall stuff uh, in the backyard, which is the back of our church building. We have a big um, yard out there. We like to do all of our fellowships. And so, um, yeah, there's going to be a very competitive chili cook-off. Um, we have some real contenders here. So if chili's your thing, uh, then you know, come ready to compete. Uh, or if you're like me, just come ready to eat because there's going to be a lot of it. So um, I, I'm hearing whispers. I mean, we, we always have the cornhole boards out, but I'm hearing whispers of some competitive cornhole players as well. So um, yeah, if you want to compete in that, you can talk to David Snelling, who insisted that I mention that. So um, <laughs> maybe get some teams together and see uh, who, who the cornhole champions are. Um, also, kind of bittersweet, this will be our uh, official send-off celebration for the McIntyre family, um, who, as my, my wife said in the welcome, they are moving in a couple weeks, so uh, make sure to be here for all of that. Um, the second announcement is something I've not yet said from the pulpit, but it is official now. We're having our first ever uh, men's camping trip on Friday, November 10th, okay? So, yeah, it's going to be fun. I didn't hear any, I don't think that was a man who did a woohoo, so I don't know. I'm going to have to process that. I don't know. Um, guys, it seems like your wives want you to go on this. I don't know. We have secured some camping space um, up by Hurricane Lake in Blackwater, about 35 minutes from here. Uh, it's going to be a good time. We'll uh, grill some meat, among other manly activities, and we will have... Uh, <laughs> 
Lewis Miller is going to bring us a, a good word that, that evening. He's the uh, West Regional Catalyst for the Florida Baptist Convention, uh, and he is also a member of our church, okay? So uh, if you're a man and you would like to join us, you are welcome to do that. There is a sign-up link in the men's ministry group on the Church Center app, or if that sounds confusing to you, uh, there will be a sign-up on Facebook this week as well. You can just go click that link, and it'll show you uh, all the, what you need to do, logistical information, all that will be there, okay? So, all right. Well, uh, as has already been mentioned, this is a day that has been uh, sadly looming in my mind for several weeks. Uh, this is our last Sunday in Ephesians. Uh, it has been a really wonderful 22 weeks walking through one of the most amazing books of the Bible, if you ask me. Uh, but we have now reached its conclusion, Next week, we're going to begin a new uh, eight-week teaching series from the Old Testament book of Genesis called That's Messed Up. Uh, it will be a look at several, <laughs> several instances where members of God's family displayed some pretty sinful behavior. Um, and even though it's a, you know, it's a funny, funny graphic there, it's not, not necessarily so we can laugh at these, at these um, Folks, but through the foolishness of their sin, obviously, sin is often laughable in retrospect. Um, it's also not so that we can console ourselves with how we think we would never do what they did, um, but rather that we might see ourselves in them and how eerily similar our sinful hearts are to theirs, and to consider as a result our need for redemption by a perfect. Savior, okay? So we've got that to look forward to. Um, but this morning, we're going to take the last four verses of Ephesians uh, that most people would skim or skip, and we're going to make a sermon out of it, okay? Um, as one great preacher said, while not every verse of Scripture is as inspiring as our favorite verses, they are all equally inspired by the Holy Spirit and thus profitable for teaching. So uh, let's go ahead and let's read them. We'll pray and we'll see what we can what we can dig out here. Ephesians chapter six, picking it up, verse twenty-one. Um, here's what it here's what it says. So that you so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you. For this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray. Father, you are good and we thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad together as the body of Christ about the message of Christ, that is the gospel. God, thank you for the book of Ephesians and the, the truth-filled treasure that it is to us as the church, how it places beautiful articulation of gospel doctrine and gospel culture side by side for us that we might grow as a community who sees how the former should fuel the latter as we do life together. In Christ. And now, Lord, as we conclude today, will you help us to see the beauty in the details with the mentioning of this brother, Tychicus? While many might leave the verses about him unconsidered, help us today to see how even 
what little we know about him can be a huge encouragement to us as we finish such an amazing portion of scripture. I pray, Lord, that as we consider what we know about his character, that we might reflect on the truths that we've learned over the last 22 weeks and how we might live them out ourselves for your glory and our joy. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, to be honest, at the end of a book like Ephesians, I'm kind of tempted to try to just re-preach the whole book in one sermon because the things that have been said uh, are so huge, so lofty, so impactful. How do you come down from that? And yet Paul just sort of takes a nosedive from 30,000 feet and lands the plane with a few verses about this guy uh, who's going to be delivering the letter. So rather than attempt the impossible of condensing such an epic letter into one sermon, let's just talk about this guy uh, who most of us have never heard of or thought about in our lives, Tychicus. It turns out, if you search your Bible for his name, it comes up five times in Acts, Ephesians, Colossians, Titus, and 2 Timothy. Some have speculated that he's referenced again a sixth time in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, though not by name. And if you piece all of those instances together, what you find out is pretty much what we've already just read in our passage this morning. Um, (laughs) He was a friend and ministry partner to Paul who traveled with him from time to time and who carried out different tasks that Paul needed someone who he deemed trustworthy to carry out. Uh, He was one of the men who went on the trip to deliver the collection for the saints in Jerusalem. He's a brother uh, who accompanied the runaway slave turned disciple Onesimus back to his owner Philemon with the letter detailing instructions for their reconciliation. And he also delivered the letter to uh, Ephesus, obviously, as well as the letter to the Colossians. It is um, relatively well known that the Apostle Paul, in his letters, in the writing of his letters, utilized what was called an amenuensis, which is just a really fancy word for an assistant or a secretary who you dictate things to, to be written down or manuscripted. And some suggest that perhaps Tychicus was just an educated brother with good handwriting who served Paul in that particular way, okay? Um, That said... While we don't know much more than that about Tychicus, I would say we know enough to be benefited by his ministry. First of all, we highly revere the Apostle Paul, don't we? And the Apostle Paul speaks very highly of Tychicus. He assures the Ephesians. He says, Tychicus will tell you everything. And so Tychicus must have been a man, not only who Paul trusted to carry the letter successfully to the church, in Ephesus, but also a man who embodied the message of the letter in his character because Paul entrusted Tychicus to speak on his behalf. That's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. I mean, the, the apostles were literally representatives chosen by Christ himself who spoke authoritatively on his behalf. That's why, that's why we would say the Bible is divinely inspired because Jesus, particularly the New Testament, Jesus gave them um, a very unique ministry to instruct his church 
in the first century and to have their written instructions breathed out by the Holy Spirit and then canonized for the teaching of the church until his return. So uh, as I said, though you probably didn't even know his name until now, Tychicus, it was a big deal to be sent on behalf of Paul, on behalf of Christ, as he was. That said, I wonder, do we realize that our lives, too, are a big deal in the same way? Because you see, Jesus has no disciples who he himself does not know personally. Jesus has no disciples who he himself does not know personally. Far be it from us, church, to forget such a precious truth that we are all known personally and intimately by the Lord Jesus himself. Brother or sister, perhaps you need to snap out of the days that you've been in where you've just kind of been going through the religious motions and be reminded that this Christian faith that you have is a relationship, not with a set of ideas, but with a person. And not just any person, but the most glorious person. The sovereign son of God who knew you and loved you and chose you before the foundation of the world and who knit you together in your mother's womb and who is now aware of you down to the number of hairs on your head and who paid for you with his own blood to save you from your sin and to redeem your life from the hell-bound trajectory it was on and to put it back on track for his eternal kingdom. If you are a Christian, friend, you are known by Christ. You're known by Christ. There should be more celebration about that. Thank you, somebody. You, 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 think, you think all your prayers are just going to voicemail somewhere? No. They're being delivered by the Spirit through our Lord and Advocate, Jesus Christ, who is interceding on our behalf to our Heavenly Father, who hears and who answers us according to the riches of His grace. And so, if we say, and we should, that it was a big deal for Tychicus to be sent with the letter to the Ephesians as a living letter himself who embodied the message contained therein because in being sent by Paul, he was really by proxy being sent by Christ, then follow me here. We ought to logically deduce that we are no different than Tychicus. We're just further down the line. We're just further down the line. The Lord sends all his people like living letters to specific places for specific purposes. The Lord sends all his people, like living letters, to specific places for specific purposes. <clears throat> In John 20, 
Verse 21, this is John's version of the Great Commission. Jesus says to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now, for sake of time, I won't reference them all, but guys, this idea is shot through the Gospels. Jesus has sent his disciples out into the world on a mission to seek out and to teach the rest of the people who will believe in him and become his disciples as well. Okay? And though Jesus has not been physically present since the first batch of his disciples were sent out, he has made it clear that he is spiritually present. And he is in sovereign control over the whole sending process. Okay? Jesus knows each one of us, and Jesus sends each one of us out to the specific places that he has determined. Now, maybe you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, tracking, I'm tracking with that. But what is this living letter thing, right? Well, I, I promise you, I'm not trying to make more of Tychicus than is really there. Um, listen to what Paul says to the Corinthian Christians in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says to them, And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. This is where I got this language, living letters. And so just as Tychicus was undoubtedly a man who embodied the, the letter to the Ephesians and thus was himself a letter from Christ delivered by Paul, but written with the ink of the Spirit, so too we, at the conclusion of this letter to the Ephesians, should pray that we have not heard all that we have heard in vain but that we would absorb into our hearts this beautifully rich gospel-infused letter so that we might be delivered to others who need to hear about the message of God's predestining love and the salvation that's offered by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and that we might be recognized as people with a gloriously different identity and Christ-like character as those who walk in a manner worthy of the gospel call. And let us not forget that we have not only been sent as living letters, but we have each been sent with specific purposes. Back in chapter 4 of Ephesians, we read that Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when Christ ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And then skipping ahead to verse 11, it says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, right? So now we, we, we talked about this a, a few months back, but let us recall for a moment the language that is used by Paul to explain how spiritual gifts are distributed within the church. First of all, 
They're given by Christ as he determines. But it's interesting in Ephesians chapter 4 that when Paul talks about these particular gifts that are given, he doesn't talk about them in a detached way, like the gift of teaching or the gift of shepherding or the gift of prophecy. No, he says that the different spiritual propensities are attached to the people that Christ gives them to. And then the language really reads that the people themselves become the gifts. (laughs) And so, dear Christian, you have been sent not only as a letter from Christ, but also as a gift from Christ. Have you thought about that? Your own life, a letter from Christ, a gift from Christ. And in the fusing of in the fusing of the gospel letter that your life is and the spiritual gift that you are to those around you, you'll find your specific purpose, whatever it may be. In the few things that we learn about Tychicus, what he did, this description that Paul gives of him as a person, we get a glimpse of his purpose. And so I would encourage you here at the end, as we're thinking about Tychicus, to ask yourself this question, what is your purpose? brother or sister, what is your purpose? Because you have one. You have one. The Lord sends all of his people, like living letters, to specific places for specific purposes. So what is yours? What is yours? And if you think, who am I? (laughs) Who am I? I? I'm nobody. What great purpose could I possibly have than just look to Tychicus? (laughs) Just look to Tychicus, the mailman who made it into the pages of the New Testament and likely had no idea, right? I'm so thankful that Tychicus made it into the Bible, that the Apostle Paul was inspired to write him in there, just a nobody with a glorious epitaph. Guys, we should all hope to have such a legacy. Like the famous preacher Adrian Rogers, who famously quipped, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. (laughs) So if you think that you're a nobody, good. You are. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a purpose. Okay? Are you following me? Actually, you being a nobody is an important part of your purpose. Okay? Because anybody who really understands and believes the gospel knows this. We are not living for our names to be remembered. We're living for the name of Jesus to be exalted. Love this quote by the 17th century English novelist George Eliot. It says, The growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts. And that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who live faithfully a hidden life and now rest in unvisited tombs. 
Church, it's likely that most of us, if we are faithful, will live the rest of our lives doing hidden and unhistoric acts and obedience to Christ. And when we die, we will be buried in a relatively unvisited tomb. For the last 2,000 years, people have searched for the borrowed tomb where Jesus was temporarily buried. <laughs> they claim to have found it in Jerusalem at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, but you know, I, I've never heard of anyone going on a pilgrimage to visit the tomb of Tychicus. Have you? <laughs> I don't even know if anybody's looking for it. Probably not. Probably not. But you know, for those of us nobodies like Tychicus, who are just living sent lives for Christ where he's placed us, serving our church, discipling our kids, trying to love our neighbors by sharing the good news of the gospel with them, there will one day be something very peculiar and historic about our tombs. They will all come bursting open <laughs> to release us from death Amen. with new glorified bodies at the sound of Jesus' voice when he returns. While, because while our names might not be remembered by the world, for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, our names are written in his book of life. And while heaven and earth and all the history of this big, broken mess is going to be burnt up and pass away in an instant. We will be forever known and forever loved by God in his eternal kingdom. Thank you. So, for the last few minutes of this sermon, I'd like to exhort us that regardless of our specific purpose, we should all strive to be like Tychicus. Okay? In Colossians chapter 4... It says nearly the same thing as Ephesians 6 about Tychicus with just one added detail. Let me read it to you. It says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So let's consider for a few moments each aspect of this threefold character. A beloved brother a faithful minister, and a fellow servant. First, a beloved brother. Here's how you too can be one of those, or beloved sister, okay, by being a committed and encouraging member of your church family. <laughs> by being a committed and encouraging member of your church family. If you want to be a beloved brother or sister in your church family, it's not that difficult if you'll just do these things. Be committed to people and be an encourager. Be someone who is one another focused. Okay? There are 59 one another statements in the New Testament that describe what our gospel culture is supposed to look like. I've included just two in your notes for sake of example. In 1 Peter chapter 4, we're instructed to love one another with a love that covers a multitude of sins. So if you're going to love me and I'm going to love you, the only way that's really going to work well for any length of time 
is we're going to have to go into that knowing that we are still partially broken, imperfect people who Jesus is in the process of making new. Okay? Interestingly enough, if we both understand that about ourselves and one another, and we commit to love each other anyway, that's going to be a strong bond. Okay? That's going to be a strong bond that will take us from loving one another to being beloved by one another. Okay? In Galatians 6, we're instructed to bear one another's burdens. That means we are to spend time talking and listening to one another, praying for each other. When things aren't going so well, encouraging, strengthening one another with Scripture and just with our friendship, caring about one another, being people who can confess sins and fears and doubts and discouragements to each other and not be afraid of our perception of one another changing because of those things. I obviously can't go through all 59 of these, but hopefully you can see that being one another focused is how we become beloved brothers and sisters in our church family. This had to have been true about Tychicus. He had been with Paul, not only in some of his missionary travels, but also in Paul's imprisonment. And so he had been by Paul's side in one of the hardest times of the apostle's life. And by delivering several of his letters... Tychicus was doing something for Paul that Paul could not do for himself. You see, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You too can have this kind of closeness with others in the family of God. You can experience this. But the only way is by digging into the community of your church and making friends and committing to be together with them often. That's how you do this. There are men in this church who I would describe as beloved brothers and who I hope would say the same of me. And the way that has happened is enough proximity and time to minister together, to love one another in a way that's covered over sin, and by at times carrying one another's burdens doing for one another what at certain points we could not do for ourselves. This is the kind of guy that Tychicus had proven to be for Paul, and you too can be like a beloved Tychicus. It doesn't take some special skill set or some unique ability or giftedness. It just takes commitment. It just takes commitment. But Tychicus wasn't just one another focused. He was also mission focused. Paul says along with being a beloved brother, he was also a faithful minister. Again, you too can emulate Tychicus in this way by being an active gospel preacher and disciple maker in whatever capacity you are able. That's how you can do that. Now, don't, don't be confused about what I mean. I'm not saying that everyone here should try and do what I do. Okay, and for clarity, um, I'm not paid just to be a gospel preacher. I'm paid to be a full-time teaching elder, which involves preaching the gospel as an aspect of my role. But as disciples of Jesus, we're all called to preach the gospel, friends. We're all called to preach the gospel. In Romans 10, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? 
How are they to believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Guys, Jesus' plan for the good news of his gospel to advance is not primarily through pastors and pulpits. It's through people in the public square. (laughs) You see, most of the men and women who I am preaching to on a weekly basis on Sunday mornings already claim to believe the gospel, right? And so if even, let's say, 10 people in this room go back out this week and determine to share Jesus with just one person in each of their domains or or spheres of influence at their workplace or in their neighborhood or or whatever, that that could potentially be more influence for the sake of the advancement of the gospel than what I do up here in a year. And that's how it's designed to be, church. Because shepherd teachers like me are to be given to the work of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. That is me and and Jason, and Tristan, and Matt, and these other guys who are her teaching here, our main focus is getting the rest of the body prepared to go out and be gospel preachers, to be the gospel preachers that they're called to be. Now, if Romans 10 doesn't convince you, listen also to 2 Corinthians 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anybody in Christ here? Hey, all right. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and get this part, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you see, if you are in Christ, then you have a share of the ministry. Okay? The ministry of reconciliation. That is the ministry of preaching the gospel to others in hopes that they too will be reconciled back to God through faith in Jesus. And then, if and when others do trust in Jesus through your ministry, you're called to help disciple them. To teach them to obey the commandments of Jesus through Bible reading and prayer and worship and community and so forth. Now, um, again, we don't know exactly what Tychicus's function was in the day-to-day, right? He could have been an elder. He could have been a deacon. We don't know. Maybe, Maybe he didn't have an official title. But regardless, Paul tells us that he was a faithful minister. Can I... Can I encourage you this morning by telling you whatever role you play in this church body, you too can be a faithful minister. <laughs> you too can be a faithful minister. If, if you literally just got baptized at the beach this summer, <laughs> you can be a faithful minister by sharing the good news of the gospel with others. That's not just my job. The whole church is called to do that. Guys, listen, you you have no idea 
of the potential power of your ministry. You have no idea the power of your ministry. When I was between 20 and 21 years old playing guitar in a secular alternative rock band in Jacksonville, that was my, that's where I came from, a guy started sharing the gospel with me for the first time. He was in our band, and I thought I was a Christian, and he realized that I wasn't. <laughs> a lot of people out there like that, you know that? They think they're a Christian, but you just watch their life, and they'll figure out, even though they think they are, they're not. And that, was, that was me. Anyway, this guy in my band, he saw that about me, and he started sharing the gospel with me, and he got a Bible for me and invited me to church. And um, Man, you know what that guy does today? <laughs> he works at a brewery. He works at a brewery. He makes beer for a living. That's what he does. I looked it up on Facebook. <laughs> and that brother was a faithful minister to me. When he told me about Jesus, he was an integral part of changing the trajectory of my whole life. Patrick, the beer brewer in Jacksonville, changed the trajectory of my life when he shared the gospel with me and the trajectory of my entire family. <laughs> and I don't even know how many others as a result. So I say that to say that's, that's how much of an impact you can have in the kingdom of God, friends, if you will just strive to be like Tychicus, a faithful minister who preaches the gospel and makes disciples in whatever capacity you're able. All right, that's okay. I know I said beer in a Baptist church. It's going to be all right, okay? Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Finally, Paul says he was a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and he was a fellow servant. Just as with the other points, you can do this one too by being a humble and reliable helper in the various ministries of your church. Um, we only know a few things that Tychicus actually did, delivering the offering, delivering the letters, but these were acts of service that the Apostle Paul would surely have only entrusted to someone who had proven themselves faithful in other smaller things first, right? Um, maybe, maybe he served people in a benevolence ministry or an administrative function, or maybe he regularly hosted church meetings at his house, right? I, we don't know. But whatever it was, the Apostle Paul took notice and thought that Tychicus would be a great addition to his team. Again, guys, um, just like with the two other character traits we discussed, this is not rocket science. This is not rocket science. We are to be servant-hearted people because we've been saved by a servant-hearted God Amen. who stooped down to serve us in the most unimaginable way by giving up his life for us on the cross. And so for those who follow him, he now expects that we would have the same mindset and that we would live our lives to serve others. So regardless of your 
socioeconomic or familial or vocational status, humble yourself and consider yourself a servant for Jesus' sake. Serve your spouse, serve your kids, serve your coworkers, serve your neighbors, serve your church. Serve your church like Tychicus did. Serve on the hospitality team. Serve in kids' ministry. Serve on the production team. Serve on the facilities team. Serve at outreaches. Serve at fellowships. Serve within your community group. Brew the coffee. Take the trash out. Someone's got to do that, right? Sweep the floors. Teach a lesson. Be an assistant. Find someone a seat. Pass the offering buckets. Change the slides. Change diapers. Change a doorknob. Okay, like change a light bulb. Just humble yourself. Just humble yourself. Be a reliable help to those around you and find ways to serve. Find ways to serve. Because you can be sure of this. There will be no one who hears the words, well done, from Jesus, without first becoming a servant like Jesus. Okay. Paul says that was true of Tychicus. So um, at the end of the letter to the Ephesians, here's the message. The Lord Jesus sends all his people, like Tychicus, to be living letters in specific places for specific purposes. And whatever your specific purpose is within the body of Christ... Live it out like Tychicus. Strive to be a beloved brother or sister, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant. And in so doing, embody the message of Ephesians. As we close this morning, I just felt like I should share um, a word about God's providence. Last time I talked briefly about Tychicus was... At the end of Colossians two years ago, we taught through Colossians as well. And it just so happened that we concluded uh, the book of Colossians at the end of May in 2021. And that was just after we had sent two faithful elders out to their next ministry assignments that the Lord had for them. Well, once again... (laughs) Just as unplanned as it was the first time, here we are talking about Tychicus again, and we're about to send another faithful elder to his next ministry assignment. If you didn't know, and I mentioned this in the beginning, but Tristan McIntyre and his family will be moving, uh, as mandated by the U.S. Air Force in the middle of this month, to New Jersey. And so I, I just want to pray for them this morning. I'm going to ask Tristan to come up in just a second um, as, we, as we pray. Uh, I know we're going to love on them during the Fall Fest, um, but when I think of beloved brothers, men who have been dear friends and faithful ministers, men who have showed their life to be about the advancement of the gospel, and fellow servants, men who consistently do whatever is needed for the sake of others, <laughs> I can't think of anyone who fits that bill better than Tristan. I had to look on the scheduling this morning to make sure he would actually be in this service and not serving in some other capacity 
this morning. He and Sarah and their, their family have truly been an encouragement to the, to the hearts of this congregation. I'm, I'm certain that they're going to continue to be wherever it is that the Lord sovereignly sends them next. And so Tristan, will you, will you come on down, brother? As we close this sermon, we just Jason and I want to lay hands on you. You can stand right here in the middle. Our beloved Tychicus, I mean Tristan. <laughs> let's, let's pray. Father God, you are, you are so good, and we thank you for your word and how it is all, always relevant and timely. God, thank you for the book of Ephesians that teaches us so many um, of our core doctrines, salvation by grace through faith alone and Christ alone. God, we cling to that articulation of the gospel. We thank you for that and the many other things that um, we read in Ephesians. But Father, we thank you here at the very end um, for the mention of Tychicus. And God, we thank you for our brother Tristan, how he has truly, truly been a Tychicus to us. God, he has humbly served this body. He has done so many things that I don't know that he ever imagined that he would be doing, leading a community group and men's ministries and serving in kids' ministry and playing in the band and really every ministry, God, Tristan has been a part of. We thank you for that and the blessing that it's been to have him in that. Father, we thank you for his, um, God, that you called him to be an elder, called him to be a man who um, proclaims your word and proclaims the gospel and, and helps to give shepherding and oversight to the body that he um, is a part of. God, we just, we thank you how he's been a friend, not just to me, but I, I trust so many um, of the men in this room would um, have the same testimony to share about Tristan, how he has been um, a beloved friend, a dear brother in Christ um, in the moments when we have needed one of those. And so, Father, we lift him up to you now. And um, Father, we know that there's much uncertainty in a move like this. God, where will they live? Where will, where will their next church family be? But Father, I just pray that um, Tristan and his family would take comfort now in your, in your sovereignty, that while it may seem to us at face value like it's um, the U.S. military that's sending him, God, we know you are sovereign even over the U.S. military. The sending that's being done is being done by you, God. You have another assignment for this brother to go and to encourage the hearts of others. There are others out there who need the encouragement of Tristan and Sarah and their family. And so we pray, God, that you would be with them every step of the way. We know that you will. We pray that they would, even now, God, even in this moment, that they would sense that, that they would sense your presence in their life and that you would comfort them now as they go. Father, thank you so much um, again for Ephesians. And uh, Father, I pray that we would be a church that strives to embody the message of Ephesians like, like living letters who are sent out for your sake, Lord, to preach the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.